Welcome to the Strategic Talent Management People Solution Podcast. We solve your people challenges. People are the most important ingredient for your business or organization's success. We believe the way to take your organization to the next level begins with knowing your people and yourself. In this episode, Art and Sue discuss expediting your hiring process and what's happening in this crazy recruiting market. So, Sue, we keep hearing about how crazy the job market is right now and how hard it is to find and retain people. You handle our recruiting system, our recruiting process. So what are you seeing? I'm seeing things that are very similar to what's going on in the real estate market in a lot of cities is people selling their houses or getting multiple offers way over asking price. The same thing is happening with, with talent is they're in high demand and people are throwing money and perks and, and everything at them. And it, you know, they're, they're getting multiple offers and their heads are spinning and, they, and good talent is going really, really fast. And when we used to be able to look at a, you know, a recruiting selection process that was maybe six weeks long, you know, if you're going over six days in some cases, you're losing people. Mm-hmm. So that means that we all have to make some adjustments in a way that doesn't necessarily erode the quality of our screening process, but really amps up the speed at which we act. And so speaking of changing processes, catch me up. What, what changes have you made in our selection process to adapt to this new environment? Right. Well, I used to do a weekly review of right. candidates that had submitted applications and I'd go through and decide who I wanted to talk to and, and send out a bunch of emails at the end of the week. I can't do that anymore. I am at my computer. If I see an email come in with an application, I need to review it right then and there. I may need to make a decision right then and there if it's somebody I want to talk to. And I send that email to set up the initial interview immediately. So from the time I see it in my inbox to the time they've heard from me is probably about 15 minutes. Wow. So just, you know, and I, you know, I know what we used to go through to do screening and you know, you'd be thoughtful about it and we'd kick it around a little bit. How do you how do you be reasonably assured that this person that you're turning around so quickly is worth your time and effort? Well, I think there's still uh, even more so than before. You need to involve multiple people in the screening process and you need to have more than one interview. But that timeline needs to be significantly compressed. Yeah. So as where somebody might come in on one day and meet with the CEO, and then they come back the following week and have lunch with who their direct supervisor would be, and then another week and they do a peer interview, I am suggesting that you schedule all of those back to back on the same day. Mm -hmm. Because you just don't have time to waste. And we've seen this time and time again with our clients. One in particular, I mean, their, their screening process was solid. They had the right people engaging with their candidates but they were still really dragging that process out and waiting week or two in between. And we lost three really solid candidates that should have been contenders because they had offers come in in the middle of that and they didn't really trust 
that they were going to get a response quickly enough from from our client at the time to to justify you know keeping those other people waiting and i i remember that situation and i i remember the client was doing a you know what a year or two or three ago would have been considered a bang up job on a series of interviews over a period of time and discussing them and so forth when we suggested doing them all in one day or a couple of days their thought was wow this this candidate's going to be you know in front of a panel all day long isn't that going to be off-putting or uh, you know stressful for the candidate and so forth uh, how did you handle that when they raised that possibility Putting candidates under a little bit of stress in the, the screening process is not a bad thing. You've got to see how your people are going to respond when under pressure. And what better way to do it than to put them through that kind of day-long process or half a day process. And it doesn't necessarily all have to be on the same day. You don't have to have all 10 people, for example, who are involved in the the decision-making process at the same table at the same time, you know, and have them under the the spotlight, for for example, but to really compact that timeline is critical in this market. We just cannot afford to go, you know, we can't certainly afford to go weeks. I would say anything that's a process that's any longer than a week or two, you're probably going to be losing good people. Yeah. And, and how about the whole point of you doing these interviews? I mean, the ideals still face to face, but uh, what about having them on Zoom for half a day? That is just the reality of where we are right now. Um, yeah. We are not back to normal in terms of face-to-face. -face. And, and now we're also looking at candidates who may be working remotely. And travel is complicated and expensive. And it may be a better solution to interview them via Zoom or some other online pl platform. People, no matter what role they're in, whether they're working on site or remotely, are going to be spending a lot of time on Zoom with clients or the other people they interact with. That is just where we are right now. That's not going to change. So why not see how they are in that environment? I've had some real surprises in talking to people in person and also online and seeing very different people oh, in so. those two environments. I think some people still are much more relaxed when they're online to a point where it's sometimes for a business uh, environment inappropriate. Yeah. Uh, what do they have in the background? What are your clients going to be seeing when they're on a Zoom call with this person? Are they going to be seeing their basket of dirty laundry? Seeing it. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Are they going to be seeing their cat's litter box in the corner? seen that too. Um, it's it's a great idea to see somebody not only in person, but to see what they're going to, yeah, how they're going to come across in that kind of format. We, we really need that face-to-face. -face. That's a key part, but uh, you're, you're quite right. I've seen that too with Zoom calls. It kind of surprised me, uh, even though I wasn't, wasn't necessarily a candidate situation, but you need to see both. Right. And if, if people aren't, if they're not if they're really uncomfortable and they really don't come across well on Zoom, I mean, that's something you have to seriously consider. You just can't ignore that. Yes. I had a candidate interview with me on Zoom. He was in his pajamas. 
in his recliner and his camera was far enough away that I got the whole view of his entire living room and all of his video games set up and, and everything else. And, and this was a remote position. This was a role where he was going wow. to be on zoom all the time with clients and his coworkers. And if this is the way he's presenting himself on zoom in an interview, when he's trying to impress someone, what is he going to be like when he's actually working for this client? <laughs> that's, that's something you read about. But you think, that doesn't really, it really happen. happens. I've seen it all. So don't, you know, don't poo poo the idea of, of doing at least some of your, your interviews in a remote format, because it really is a, a an integral part of how people are communicating these days and well, a good test. You've been doing our recruiting now for what, five years, and particularly the last, you know, 18 months to two years in this very new environment. What I think we, we, uh, we've covered a couple of good points already. What else, what other advice would you give people that are, you know, they're doing their own screening interviews or doing their whole hiring process. What else have you picked up that, that people would benefit from in this particular, in this new environment? Right. Well, I think now more than ever, consistency in your process, consistency in the questions that you are asking, consistently all across the board in how you screen people is very important to make those apples to apples comparisons. Don't have one person in for just an in-person interview and the other two candidates just for online. Mm -hmm. And you need to get the complete picture of every candidate. And I do not at all suggest that in order to speed the process along that you compromise on your screening process. I mean, I think it's still extraordinarily important. Talent is very expensive right now. Like we talked about, people are able to command bigger salaries than ever before you're making a huge investment. You don't wanna compromise on the selection process, but you need to find ways to shrink the timeline mm -hmm. and still have the same quality and consistency. Speaking of compensation, I know we've, we've had this conversation even hiring for me, uh, that what, what are you finding on, is there any kind of rule of thumb on average, uh, you know, the, the compensation has gone up, does it depend on the class of job or what is it? I think it somewhat depends on the class of job, but it's particularly in lower level and entry level positions. You can no longer find somebody, a receptionist, for example, for $15 an hour. Mm -hmm. It just is not going to happen mm -hmm. because they can go to Trader Joe's or your local grocery store and make more than that an hour. Mm -hmm. um, so you've got to have a realistic picture of what you're going to have to pay and be open-minded about it. And part of this is in the, the whole remote work landscape is that the, the good news is it's opened up the pool of talent, for, especially for companies in smaller markets. You know, the talent pool is no longer just, you know, Des Moines, Iowa, for example. Mm -hmm. It is, if you're hiring for a remote position, it's now everybody. Mm -hmm. The drawback is you no longer have the benefit of your small market crisis. Right. You are now having to compete with companies in large markets with large budgets for the same talent. Well, we ran into that here. You helped me hire a new front desk person and we were quite excited. What was it? Three weeks later, she came in and said, my friendly local college offered her a lot more money 
and full benefits for a part-time job. And I, you know, obviously we couldn't, we right. couldn't maintain that. Right. So going into a search, having a realistic idea of what you're going to have to pay, um, it might hurt, but you know, it will save you some time in the long run when you, when you start interviewing people and you ask about salary expectations and they're 20, 30, sometimes 40% higher than what you had in mind yeah, and what you would have paid two years ago. Yeah, I was going to say, I remember you, you had a couple of good, two or three, I think, good sources for salaries and you would sort of triangulate and often seems like you came up with a pretty solid range uh, and it was fairly predictive of what you're going to pay, have to pay in the end. But uh, it seems to me, is it is a 10% differential now, 20%? 20 or more. Yeah. They're lagging behind. The market is changing so quickly mm -hmm. that those salary surveys are lagging six months or so behind and 20 to 25% behind. And what do you, uh, you know, I, I mentioned earlier our own difficulties hiring a, an entry level position and frankly just being way outbid by a, a larger company. So now is, you know, so once we find them, now we're in the retention mode. What what can a can a small employer do to to compete? Would you say in that kind of a marketplace or this kind of a marketplace? Right. That's that's when culture starts to play a very important role. Is are you offering an experience for that person that builds loyalty? And you may not be able to compete on price. You need to get close because mm -hmm. anybody with yeah. with any kind of ROI motivation, as we talk about in our assessment work, um, is is not going to work for peanuts. Mm -hmm. You need to be at least in the ballpark. Um, but then it's it's really the experience of what it is to work with you and for you. What opportunities are you offering? What kind of work environment? You know, a little praise goes a long way. You need to do everything that you can to position your organization to be attractive, not only for that person to stay, but for them to perhaps recommend to their friends. I love working there. Come work with me. That's how you build a reputation in your industry and in your community of being an employer that people want to seek out and pay attention to. So, so what I hear you saying is we've been talking about employer branding for years and years, but now we we really have to use that information to retain people. Absolutely. Absolutely. You have got to have a solid reputation in your industry and in your market mm -hmm. as an, an employer that offers a positive environment and offers opportunities, you know, especially with this millennial culture, you know, this, this group of people coming up through the business world now, they're not so much about the money, although they, they are more about the money than a lot of people think, but they're about the experience. They're, they're about giving back. They're about um, development opportunities and what their career path is. And there's more to it for them than simply a paycheck. And we've got to pay more attention to that. Yeah, so it's, the message isn't that different. It's just we have to be take it more seriously. And to your point about, uh, you know, the the younger generations, I've read a lot of those articles. Oh, they're not as ROI motivated. They're more motivated by experiences and so forth. But let's face it, with inflation and in apartments are more expensive and car payments and gas payments, 
it, it's a myth to think, you know, you're not, you don't have to pay that uh, level of salary. It's just not, it's not accurate. And for most, right. of, most of the clients we deal with, they're definitely in the for-profit world and they need employees who think that way anyway. Right. It's just, it's not the only thing anymore right. where, you know, my parents' generation, for example, they'd go to work for 30 years for the same employer and slog through it and perhaps hate it, but they were getting a paycheck and that's really, you know, they were supporting their families and that's what mattered. This generation, it, that's not it. Mm -hmm. There's much more to it. Mm -hmm. and, and companies need to be prepared to provide that kind of opportunity and experience that today's workers really demand. So it comes down to the two things we talk about a lot around here, which is leadership and communication. Absolutely. Yeah. And we've been preaching this for, you know, you've been in business for 30 years now. <laughs> this is not new information, but in this landscape where it's moving so quickly and there's, you know, just crazy packages being thrown at yeah. people left and right you have to pay attention to it now. It's not just something we talk about. It's something we have to be doing. So, so to recap, a couple of going back to the beginning, what you were really saying is speed. You don't have the luxury of taking weeks to process uh, a good candidate. Uh, and we've had clients that took months. That's completely off the table. It's got to be days or a week or two at the and I'd say even two is really pushing it. Two is really pushing the envelope these days. So speed is important. Uh, we talked about the, you know, Chris, part of the speed is interviewing more quickly and consolidating interviews. Uh, and the things we used to talk about of worrying too much about stress and the message we're sending by, you know, having six people interview this poor candidate is not so much it's not it's not that that's gone away it's just that the reality is we all deal with zoom more we're probably going to be facing more meetings with multiple people where maybe we're the only representative of our company mm -hmm. so people really do have to get used to that but you were clear too about we still you still need the face to face that's important even if that person might be working remotely 80 90% of the time uh we talked about what else did we talk about? We talked about employer branding. Oh, employer we talked branding. about yeah. you know providing more than just the paycheck. If you want to keep the good talent, you you need to mm -hmm. be able to provide more. In in closing, Sue, any any topic that you feel important to talk about, or you've you've had a conversation with your client and you'd, you'd like to share that with us now? Well, I think the the summary is you need to find ways to tighten up your selection process. Um, not so much in terms of the quality and the exposure that candidate has in your organization, but you've got to shorten that timeline considerably. You've got to base reality that you're probably going to pay more for good talent yeah, than you were expecting yeah. or hoping to. Mm -hmm. um, and then you've got to provide more than just that paycheck. You've really, you need to provide an environment that is inviting, that is, um, that builds loyalty. Mm -hmm. People need to know they have a future there or else they'll find that future somewhere else. I think a final word on the salary because as an employer, you know, obviously I'm very sensitive to that, so I get it. But 
you know, the old adage is you get what you pay for. And if you like what you see, and I've heard you say this many times, we don't need the perfect candidate. We just need the candidate who can meet our core expectations and maybe we're willing to train and develop and grow some other factors, but right. you, you gotta pay for it. Right. And in the end, you're gonna pay for it either in grief because the person isn't working out or they make a lot of mistakes or training and development and coaching and so forth, or you write the check, that's what's gonna have to happen. Right. Right. There is no perfect candidate. There is no such thing as a perfect candidate. Um, really, as you said, can they meet your core expectations? And what are you willing and able to provide? Do they have the capacity to grow into mm -hmm. what you need? And that's are you willing and able to provide what they need yeah. to, to reach that capacity? Yeah, I think that's a good addition to that perfection piece. You know, they meet the core expectations. You got to do that. Uh, but the real question is, can they grow? Do they have the capacity to accept training and mentoring and development, or are they maybe too inflexible or too something that they, they cannot be developed? That's, that's the real pressure there. If you can't develop somebody, whether they need a lot of training or not, that's, right. that's not gonna work. Absolutely. Well, Sue, it's been a pleasure. Always sure. nice to chat with you. So thank you for listening to another episode of Strategic Talent Management's People Solutions Podcast. Remember to subscribe to get notifications for new episodes. And for more information on strategic talent management, click on the link to our website in the podcast description.